0: Number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day.
1: The 24th annual ACC Big Ten Challenge rolls on tonight. Number 17, Duke, hosts number 25, Ohio State, in our first game at 7.15 Eastern. Then, number 18, North Carolina, takes on number 10, Indiana. Both Sonic blockbusters are on ESPN and the app. Welcome back to Get Up, coming to you live from the Seaport. Brought to you by Gray Goose. We have a full house here today. As you can see, we are talking NFL. We're talking college football. We talked. We did some soccer in the last hour. I mean, this is we are doing some. We are talking some sports today. Uh, on we did some NBA. We had an NBA highlight. Whatever you need in your sports, uh, we have it here for you this morning. And as we start the second hour, we are getting up with two college football superpowers on the outside looking in. After last night's playoff rankings are revealed, is there any hope for Alabama and Ohio State? Plus, Aaron Rodgers got some good news on his injured ribs yesterday, but are the Packers going to agree that it's good news? We'll discuss that. And when the clock is winding down, Lamar Jackson has been getting wound up. Why is the Baltimore Ravens quarterback struggling when it matters the most? Lots of NFL talk on Get Up as usual, but we start with college football because there's only four days until the college football playoff field is revealed. The penultimate rankings were announced last night. Georgia on top at number one, looking to win their first SEC championship since 2017 this weekend against LSU. Michigan up to number two after beating Ohio State. They're trying to repeat as Big Ten champs for the first time since 2004. TCU, the third and final unbeaten team, they're ranked three. The Horned Frogs face Kansas State seeking their first Big 12 title since they had a piece of it in 2014. And USC is in that fourth and final spot. They will try to avenge their only loss of the year against Utah in the Pac-12 championship on Friday night. Despite the way the rankings look, our All-State playoff predictor still thinks Ohio State will end up in that four spot. The big reason why they think Utah is going to beat USC on Friday night gives the Utes a 61% chance to win Friday, take the Pac-12 title, and knock the Trojans out of the playoffs, of course. The playoff predictor doesn't get to decide. The results of the games do, and that's why this weekend is so huge, and that is why we have Heather Dinnich and Paul Feinbaum here to talk about all of this with us. Paul, the rankings came out last night. What was your biggest takeaway?
2: Dan, Bama is done. They are not going to win the national championship. They won't even be in the playoffs, and that's a big deal because they started the season number one in the country. They had the Heisman Trophy winner returning. They had the best defensive player, but... They could not get it done this year. They simply don't have any good wins. They have some great losses, but that apparently did not impress the committee, and it appears now that this will be the fourth year out of the last five that Nick Saban doesn't win at all. That may sound like uh, being trite for some people, but he had a stranglehold on college football. It looks like that is now over.
1: That is quite a stretch for him, given what came before it. Your biggest takeaway, Heather?
3: Ohio State is in a prime position to sneak into this thing if they get some chaos above them. And really, it doesn't have to be all that chaotic. If we're being honest, USC has to lose. If USC loses twice to Utah in the same season, they've got two losses. The committee's next move is to shuffle Ohio State right back in there. And so the Buckeyes, the committee really likes their wins against Notre Dame and now a top ten Penn State team. Those are things that are working in their favor. That's why they've got the edge over Alabama. That number five spot last night was critical.
1: But as you said, they do need something to happen in front of them. They do need USC uh, to lose. If that does not happen and the top four stays the same, Paul, you have a playoff with no Ohio State, no Alabama, no Clemson, as we discussed uh, last hour. What does that all say to you about the state of the game?
2: It says that the transfer portal really matters, and it matters especially because look at what Lincoln Riley would have done. A year ago, he was moving from Oklahoma to SC, and he brought with him the top player, his quarterback, Caleb Williams. And this is really amazing because it wasn't that long ago, Dan, that we were sick and tired of Alabama and Clemson every year. Well, not this year, and this is now two years in a row for Clemson be careful what you wish for i guess huh
3: just to follow up on yeah. that to put this into perspective 17 <laughs> yes. of the past 32 spots have been a combination of Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. And Hemmo made a great point. Like For people trying to comprehend what this means, think about an NCAA tournament without Duke right. and Kansas and North Carolina. That's where college football could be in a couple of days.
1: Yeah, I think that it might have happened a couple years ago during the COVID year, but I don't think it was, that, it was a whole <laughs> lot uh, that everybody was paying attention to at that point. Uh, listen, we got uh, Deion Sanders in the news, non-playoff college football news. He is the Jackson State head coach Uh, he has said this week that he's been offered the job at Colorado Paul what do you think when you heard that
2: I was really glad to see him being recognized as one of the really important and influential figures in college football right now I'm not sure he's going to take it Uh, I think Deion Sanders should be patient not that he needs my advice Dan but I think he'll get a better job if, if he if he just waits this out. Colorado is a dead-end job to me. Uh, it, it was once a power 20-some odd years ago, maybe longer, they won a national championship, but the program has just simply crashed and burned.
3: This could be a home run hire for Colorado, and I realize it's an extremely challenging job, but in order to win there and rebuild that program, you've got to recruit, which is what he can do, and you've got to recruit outside that state. So to bring that flash and that sizzle to that program, I think, would be huge for them, challenging for him. Not that he can't do it. I think it's a great opportunity with more resources. But again, does he kind of want to wait to see if there's something in Florida or Texas that just suits him more personally?
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He might get other opportunities that he could pick from that he might like better Mm -hmm. uh, than the Colorado Job. A lot more college football on the show, but we turn now to the NFL and to Green Bay, where the four and eight Packers are playing in Chicago on Sunday before they get a much-needed bye week. Aaron Rodgers continues to struggle with thumb and rib injuries, but he told his buddy Pat McAfee he's playing this weekend.
4: We're not eliminated. Uh, I got good news with the scans yesterday, so I plan on playing this week. If we got a chance to run. Run the last five, and and uh, see where we stand after
5: that. Go to my
4: uh, one of my favorite places to play now in Chicago, and
5: Burnout. hopefully, you know, get a big win. Get into the bye week, get healthy, and Wish
6: <laughs> see where we can get to.
1: Sounds great, Chris, right? I mean, they're gonna, he's going to play hurt. They're going to tough it out. They're going to win their last few games and get in the playoffs after all.
6: all, right? Let me tell you what they ain't going to do, win their last five games. Hmm. That's not going to happen. <laughs> the season is over for the Green Bay Packers. Since 1990, there have been 110 teams to start 4-8 and eight through their first 12 games. Only one of those teams made the playoffs. So the Green Bay Packers players, go ahead and start shipping the cars home. Start making your vacation plans. January 8th is when the regular season ends. You can go ahead and book your flights out of Green Bay January 10th. Give a day for the exit interviews and all of that stuff. But this season is over with. The only thing that the Green Bay Packers can salvage out of this season is the development of their young players. And primarily, I'm talking about Jordan Love. Get him some opportunity to play in meaningful, regular season games. That way you can evaluate what you have in the kid because you do have to make a decision on his fifth-year option this coming offseason, and you're going to guarantee him upwards of $20 million if you exercise that option. You would want to have more information if you're going to make that decision. But either way, they've got to play the kid so they can figure out their plan at the quarterback position long term
5: you agree, Tim? Well, I agree that they're not making the playoffs, and I agree that probably a good idea to start figuring out who's going to pick up your car. Like, that's the – I agree with all
6: of that, okay?
5: But, what I, but I don't agree that you just move on from Aaron Rodgers. Look, I think the decision on the fifth-year option is done. Like, I, I, playing him six year, playing him, uh, you know, for six games at the end of the season is not going to give me enough confidence to say, yeah, I'm going to pick up the fifth-year option and pay this guy $20 million when I don't know – if Aaron Rodgers is really going to walk away mm-hmm. from $60 million next year. Like, I, I, and I don't think that he is. I also think that if I just look at the next couple of years, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to play better than Jordan Love would play. Like, I don't think that – I would not be in a rush to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And so if Aaron is healthy enough to play and wants to play, then I'm going to play him. And I, I get that I'm not going to make the postseason – But I do think that there's still a culture there that is shaped and they could be a very good team next year. Right. with Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback. Of course, the only reason we're talking about this is because two years ago they were thinking about moving <laughs> on from Aaron
1: Rodgers. They drafted Jordan Love <laughs> exactly. in the first round. Then he wins two MVPs and signs a big
5: contract. Wrong. Does
6: anyone think they, they got, got that wrong. right well, when they yeah. did that? I think they got it right. They, they, How did they, get they might right, not though? have taken the right player, but they got it right to plan for the future at the quarterback position because yeah. we got to stop assigning Tom Brady longevity and productivity to every single quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is in an age 39 season. Right. So at some point, at some point, he's not going to be the Aaron Rodgers that's winning MVPs. Yeah. And furthermore, with this core players, I'm not sure that Aaron Rodgers is going to do any high-level winning. Yeah. And if he's not, why are you paying the guy $50 million a year? Or, or I can lose with Jordan him. Love. I don't yeah. have to lose with the $50 million <laughs> a year quarterback. Well, listen,
5: they drafted him, and then he won two MVPs. Yeah, well, I, I think that sparked like, him. Like, I think listen, the, the, like, I mean, the Love
4: helped him, Yeah.
1: That's the thing. He has said he threw a wrench into the works, right? Yeah, he said that. So what are you hearing about Aaron Rodgers going forward? Yeah,
4: so people I'm talking to believe that it would be a break of character for Rodgers to say, hey, I'll sit out and I'll give Jordan Love a few games here. That's just not in his makeup. He wants to play, and the Packers believe he still gives them the best chance to win, which is still important despite the record because this is the Green Bay Packers. They're not about mailing it in and looking at what what we have in the future. They want to win now still. So if they (laughs) fall to like 4-9, 4-10, I'm told there could be a conversation between Matt LaFleur, the GM, Aaron Rodgers about what next, but that would be more injury-based. Rodgers would have to say, look, my thumb hurts, my ribs are sore, I'm going to sit out. And and right now that does not seem likely.
1: Rodgers said after the game Sunday that he would be open to those kinds of conversations if and when they're mathematically eliminated. Do you think... It'll be a conversation. Do you take
6: him at his word for what he said in the postgame on Sunday? Or do you take take him at his word when he said on Pat McAfee? If you're 12-0, if you're 0-12, you gotta play. That's what you do. Sounded like a Geico commercial. All I don't all I don't get is if Aaron (laughs) Rodgers is so committed to giving this team the best chance to be successful, then why wasn't he there in the offseason? Why why wasn't he there to work with the young receivers and try to get them up to speed so that they could be ready to Make an impact when it could have mattered with what their season turned out to be. That's the problem that I have. The last couple of years, all of the decisions that he's made has been about Aaron Rodgers and leverage against the organization. It hasn't been about putting the Packers in the best position to compete for championships. And at this stage of his career, isn't that what it's supposed to be about?
5: Aaron's a state farm guy, not a geico guy, but That's just to clear that up. But like I would just say say this, like, remember, discount and double check. Look, I, I just we ain't seen that, that in the long time. I, here's, what, here's, what the what commercial? I, here's what I would say about Aaron Rodgers. Like, in terms of not being there, this and that. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP the last yeah. two years. Like, I don't think that it's fair to say, hey, he he wasn't there in the offseason. There are a lot of guys, Chris, you know this, that aren't there doing stuff in the offseason. Like, and everyone's okay with that. Everyone understands that. Guy is a quarterback playing with a broken thumb. It's been a bad year. Aaron could come back next year and throw 40 touchdowns. Like, I I think we have to be really careful to be like, yep, bad year. See ya, man, we don't need your help anymore. I, I just, they can win a Super Bowl next year with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, They can't with Jordan Love. Well, well here here's, here's
6: what I will say. Real, right, real quick, Put, real quick, real, though, put we a go. button on this. Listen, he's been flirting with retirement the last couple of years, yep. right? That's what opened the door for Devontae Adams to lead because yep. Devontae didn't yep. want to be stuck in Green Bay right. with a quarterback that he didn't know a whole lot about. If you're breaking in a new receiving core, probably a good idea to be there. That's all I'm That's to saying. We'll see. the 60 yeah.
1: million reasons for him to come back and try it again next year in Green Bay. A lot more of this as we go on. We come back, though. It's the rematch of the AFC Championship game from last year, and Joe Burrow has his favorite target back. So are the Bengals the biggest threat to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? And Odell Beckham Jr. is talking to a lot of NFL teams down the stretch. Do the, Cow- Do the Cowboys, are they the team that needs him the most? We'll give you that answer. We come back on Get Up.
7: you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals. That's dell.com slash deals.
1: We are back on Get Up, and it's time to run the hurry up with Jeremy Fowler and some NFL headlines. What do you got on Odell Beckham?
4: Dan, let's do it. I'm told that the Dallas Cowboys believe they have a very good shot at getting Odell Beckham. Multiple teams I've talked to also believe that the Cowboys will be the eventual suitor, even though the Giants are lurking. You got the Bills, a little bit of the Chiefs is maybe a sleeper. And so I'm told the Cowboys are eager to meet with Odell because they want to see where he's at physically, and they also just want to talk to him, get to know him a little bit, see if both sides can find the right fit. Now, stay in Dallas. Here we got here Tyron Smith. Now, I'm told that the Cowboys have paid week 14, so next week, as a potential return to practice, they would open his 21-day window after this upcoming Colts game. That's the plan unless they decide to change it and he's perking up in the next couple days, but probably not this week, more like next week. They believe by the end of the season, this guy's going to be playing meaningful games, which is a big jump from earlier in the year, with that massive hamstring issue. Yeah. Uh, he's looking and feeling good so far, so they're hopeful. Let's go to Jamar Chase. Now, I'm told the Bengals are optimistic about this week. He got close to playing last week against Tennessee. Didn't quite make it, but was limited in practice. They're hoping to ramp him up a little bit starting today. I'm told they'll find out more information during Wednesday's meetings and practice just to see kind of where he's at. But they are counting on their top weapon in a huge game against the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure the Chiefs, after what he did against them last year, wouldn't mind him taking another week. Hey, the Bengals went 3-1 and one in the last four games without him. Since last season, he has an NFL best 11 receiving touchdowns that are over 25 yards long. <laughs> that is three more than the next closest, uh, who are Devontae Adams and Tyler Lockett. In case you forgot, Chase had 130 yards and two touchdowns in each of his last two games before he got hurt. So yes, Cincinnati, while they were able to <laughs> To hang in there without him would certainly welcome him back. He had, he had almost 300 receiving yards in the first game against Kansas City last totally year. So, uh, so he's eager to get out there. So we talk about the Bills are trying to pass the Chiefs. We've been talking about this for years. The Cincinnati Bengals did it. They beat him last year in December and they beat him last year in the AFC Championship game. Do you, Chris Candy, look at the Bengals as the biggest threat? to Kansas City right now in this year's playoffs.
6: Absolutely, and a big reason why is Joe Burrow, but we also have to consider what that defense, of Luana Rumos did in the AFC Championship game. They played a lot of top-down coverage, 61% of the time, coming out in shell coverages, which is two high safeties, and they eliminated the big plays. This Kansas City Chiefs offense is a big play outfit. Nobody has more big plays in the NFL than they do this year. They took that away in the AFC Championship game. If you do that, if you starve this offense, then eventually they'll fumble the bag. In the second half of that AFC Championship game, the Chiefs offense averaged 2.7 yards per play. Mm. Pat Mahomes had 55 yards passing. But he was also sacked four times for losing 39 yards. So a net passing of 16 yards in the second half. Again, top-down coverage, win with the four-man rush. Don't blitz him because Pat Mahomes is deadly doing that. They got the formula to beat Pat Mahomes. It's just a matter of them being able to run the gauntlet to get to that point. What do you think, Tim? If you're Kansas City, is that the team that scares you?
5: Yeah, I think it has to scare you based on what happened last year. And I also think, you know, everything Chris said is exactly right. You know, we talk about top-down coverage. Like, make them be patient. The other thing is this. I, I don't think you can watch last week what Cincinnati did against Tennessee and not come away really impressed. Yes, yeah. they are a big play offense. I think in some ways people maybe would have looked at them as a finesse offense because they get in the empty a lot. They've got these receivers. They create matchup problems. But what they did against Tennessee was they were like, no, we're going to line up but we're going to call 17 runs for some Ajay Piran. Like we're, we're going to go ahead yeah. and pound the football some. I think – and then, quite honestly, did a good job stopping the run. Yes. I think there was a toughness that you saw to that Cincinnati team that gives them kind of a balance that, no, you know what, they're not just a finesse team. Maybe this is just a really good football team that can hurt you a bunch of different ways. And so, look, they did that against Cincinnati, who's a very good team and a very good defense, without Chase, without Joe Mixon. I think that says a lot about who this football team is becoming.
1: That's the other important point. They didn't have Mixon. in their starting running back. He's been in the concussion protocol. Chance, he comes back uh, this week uh, as well. When you look at them against Kansas City, what do you
4: think they got to do? I'm looking at Travis Kelsey. they got to find a way to stop that guy. I watched yeah. him in the last few weeks, one of the best players in the NFL. He had Derwin James on him in the Chargers game. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey, top corners and safeties, and he's beating them. Now, here's a gr- great stat from Sneaky Hembo. Cincinnati has allowed just two touchdowns all year to tight ends. So that is the matchup. How do they handle this guy? And they've been great, the Bengals, in the third quarters of games. They they rarely give up more than three points all year. They make halftime adjustments, so that's what I'm eager to see.
1: Yeah, that, that, they're good against tight ends, uh, Chris, but this is not uh, what he called just any tight
6: end, right? Travis no, Kelsey. No, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the National Football League, and he's been in that conversation for the last six years. You talk about them limiting big plays in the AFC Championship game. The Kansas City Chiefs are a different offense
1: this year, right, with no Tyree kill. Are they better suited, worse suited to handle the Bengals,
6: or about the same? Uh, I would say about the same, because Pat Mahomes is playing otherworldly. I can mm-hmm. make an argument that this is his best season, but the philosophy still remains the same. They want big plays. I mean, they have 60, 20-plus-yard plays on the season. The next closest team is the Buffalo Bills with 54. So, I mean, by far and away, they are the most explosive offense in the National Football League, and so it starts by eliminating the big plays. Sure, they look different in terms of how Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi scheme those big plays, but you still have to find a way to be able to eliminate them, and you got to find a way to rush him with your front four, and I think that piece is absolutely critical. you got to cage Pat Mahomes, not allow him to have second reaction plays because that's when we've seen that he's deadly against opposing defenses.
1: Yeah, I remember the offseason. Season, right, that was the conversation. Could the Chiefs be even better without Tyreek Hill? Are they? Are they?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're certainly not dependent on one player. Look, right. as they've had receivers go in and out of the lineup, it just seems like, you know, different guys step yeah. up and make plays each and every week. I do think Kelsey is a big part of the reason why they're running the football well. I just think that when you make teams sustain drives. Mm-hmm. You have a chance for somebody to fumble. Some, like, that, that just, like, like, ultimately, like, you're playing yeah. for that against these great offenses. Yeah, so we'll
1: see if Cincinnati can do it again and make it three for their last three uh, against Kansas City. I don't know if we really saw that coming so quickly uh, with them. <laughs> I'll be at that game. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. No, anyway, well. we had a big soccer game uh, yesterday. Uh, the the uh, U.S. team was playing Iran in their final match of the group stage of the World Cup, needing a win to advance. Let's take it to the 38th minute. Weston McKenney chipping the ball to Serginho Dest, who heads it into the middle, and Christian Pulisic gets on it for the goal. Take another look. Perfect header. Pulisic uh, absorbing a big hit from the goalkeeper. The goal would stand. US takes a one-zip lead. Pulisic would leave the game at halftime with what they're describing as an abdominal injury. 98th minute now, same score, last chance for Iran. They get the ball into the box. Morteza, poor Alleghani heading it on. Ball gets through Matt Turner, but Walker Zimmerman swoops in to clear it. Take another look. It's a no-call. Cameron Carter-Vickers has a hand on the Iranian player, but not enough for a foul, much to Iran's chagrin. U.S. hangs on for the one zip when they face the Netherlands in the round of 16 on Saturday. And the Dutch, uh, they have an impressive FIFA world ranking of number eight. But it isn't even the toughest team the U.S. has faced so far in the tournament. They played to a draw against fifth-ranked England in an earlier group stage game. While battle-tested European teams have been a big thorn in the side of the Americans uh, since 1990 at the World Cup, U.S. has won just one of 19 matches against teams from Europe. So keep an eye on that big matchup coming up Saturday. We come back on Get Up today, though. Josh Allen is the Buffalo Bills' most important player But can he alone take them to the Super Bowl? I'll tell you why they might be a little nervous in Buffalo these days. Plus, we got sneaky handball for Chris Canty. Canty, Von Miller, has 10 and a half career sacks in the playoffs. Who is the only active player who has more? Mull that over. We'll come back.
7: Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash today. That's Macy's.com slash
1: Back on Get Up and Sneaky Hembo is coming for Chris Canty, who is, is generally annoyed during the break. Yes, and very he annoyed. doesn't very like annoyed. the question. Very annoyed. Who's the
6: only active player who has more playoff sacks than Von Miller? Ah, I don't have this one. I mean, my guess would be Aaron Donald, but I know that's not right. That is not right. Yeah, so I'm not sure He's who He's not it in is. the top five. He's not in the top five? No. Wow. Number one is Frank Clark. Frank Clark.
1: Okay. Hasselbeck had sense. it. Hasselbeck had it. Oh, they Frank it Clark. Second guess? I don't know. Anyway, well, yeah, he got I haven't
6: seen Frank Clark around the quarterback recently, Frank so Clark. there's a little oh. recency bias there.
1: Frank Clark has 11. Nick Bosa, 8. He's closing fast. Okay, That, that, could, be, uh, uh, Frank that Clark. could be a different okay. answer. That's impressive.
6: Pretty soon. All right. Frank Frank Clark, Clark got me on that one. Sneaky, Hambo. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky.
1: All right, now we're going to play a game of either or, looking ahead to week 13. Chris Canty, who will rush for more yards in their matchup? Derek Henry or Jalen Hurts?
6: I'm going to go with King Henry. The Tennessee Titans are bottom third in terms of quarterback yards allowed on the ground. So I think this is a bounce back game for Derrick Henry. That's their only shot at beating the Philadelphia Eagles. And if we're being honest, the Eagles run defense a little bit soft since Jordan Davis has been out of the lineup. Titans, Eagles. Now let's go to 49ers, Dolphins.
1: Jeremy, who scores more touchdowns in this game? Tyreek Hill or Debo Samuel? I got Debo
4: Samuel. Tyreek Hill has been one of the best players in the league this year, but only four touchdowns receiving for Debo Samuel is the OG playmaker of the Kyle Shanahan Mike McDaniel offense which is facing off this week so Kyle's going to find a way to get him the ball in space when they need a score late it's going to be Samuel
1: only four touchdowns maybe he's due who knows Tim who has more passing yards in the Bills Patriots
5: game Josh Allen or Mac Jones I know the Patriots have a good defense but Josh Allen is my answer to this and then I heard you say something earlier Dan something like they haven't punted in the 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 last last two times they they played played, the Patriots Yes, they have not punted a single time in two games correct yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going with Josh Allen. Good. <laughs> Tells you they've been scoring some points
1: in those games. One of those was a playoff game, Bob, by the way. That's, That's a pretty, pretty remarkable uh, stretch there. Uh, hey, the Bills have had a, a kind of a tumultuous couple of weeks with the big storm in Buffalo and having to play a home game in Detroit. Josh Allen was dealing with an elbow injury. You yeah. think you're, you're being told he's getting better?
4: Well, he's a full participant in practice, which seems like a simple thing, but I'm told for this particular quarterback, it's a big deal because the Bills have noticed when he's comfortable, well prepared, locked in as a full practice guy all week, he can be unstoppable. It's at the times where he's maybe uncomfortable, hasn't been as good. That's why the elbow injury, I'm told, wear on him or was wearing on him a little bit because for the last month couldn't really practice in full, couldn't stretch that arm out the way he wanted to, and it affected his play a little bit for a few weeks. Now they feel like he's fully healthy, locked in, ready to go, could make a big difference for the stretch run. We
1: go back a couple of months. This was, oh, the Bills are the favorite. They're the, they're the team everybody's picking for the Super Bowl. Uh, they hit a little, you know, they lose to the Dolphins, they lose to the Jets. Now we don't really talk about them. We put our top fives together. Is that wrong? Are they still the Super Bowl favorite if he's healthy?
6: No. No. They're not a Super Bowl favorite because they turn the ball over entirely too much. I mean, you're talking about Josh Allen having 19 turnovers on the season and six of those coming in the red zone. That's not great. And so that's the part where you got to improve on. you got to take care of the football in the critical phases of the game when it comes down to situations. And that's really what we're talking about when we play against the better teams in the postseason. Being good in situational football, and that hasn't been the calling card for this Buffalo Bills team. So that's the part that I want to see improvement on. They've shown some gains in the run game in terms of being able to lean on the running backs to provide some balance for Josh Allen. But Josh has got to be better with taking care of the football, especially in the scoring area. And we talked about it in the last hour the big free agent acquisition, Von Miller. Now
1: he's hurt. He may have to miss some games. Like, uh, do you look at this as a Super Bowl team? Super Bowl favorite
5: think... caliber team? Well, I'm not not the favorite without Von. We talk- about that, how his impact and the fact that, like, you do need guys to close teams out. Like, mm-hmm. you just had the Frank Clark. The reason for Frank Clark, you know, it led that list on the sneaky Hembow question was because he went from a playoff team to a playoff team. Andy Reid realized he yeah. needed a closer, and so they got one in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So I do think that, like, you you need that guy. That's why there's value in that position. Um, Look, I still think they're a really good team. In fairness to Josh Allen, and I get he's made some bad decisions in this, the guy right now is playing with an elbow brace on his throwing arm. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think I've seen another quarterback. He's done it twice in his career. I don't think I've ever seen another quarterback do that. He's clearly not totally right. If he can get healthy, as Jeremy has alluded to, I do think that matters significantly. My favorite would still be Kansas City, but – Uh, Look, they're still a contender, you know, but they need Josh to be healthy. They need Vaughn to be healthy. Those things matter.
1: What about their opponent in tomorrow night's game, the Patriots? What what, what chance do you give them here, and how important is this game for them?
6: They got a pretty good shot, but I think if you're looking at it from the Patriots' standpoint, they've got to make Josh Allen play against zone coverage because Josh Allen against man coverage is surgical. I mean, against man coverage – 17 touchdowns to 4 interceptions this season and an 84.5 QBR, which is second best in the NFL. Against zone coverage this season, 6 touchdowns to 7 interceptions. So I think for the Patriots, it's forcing Josh Allen to beat zone coverage, and then the benefit for the Patriots' D in playing zone coverage, you got 11 sets of eyeballs on Josh Allen in case he decides to pull the ball down and scramble, which is critical in terms of eliminating the opportunities to stress the defense by getting out on the edge. So I think that's how the Patriots have to look at it, but... That's a tall ass for this New England Patriots team to be able to match points with the Buffalo Bills.
1: Interesting rivalry game tomorrow night to kick off uh, week 13. But I just saw Woj around here somewhere, so I'm going to do some basketball if you guys don't mind. I want to talk to you about the Warriors-Mavericks game last night. Steph Curry and Golden State visiting Dallas and Luka Doncic. Just over three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Mavs up by two. Doncic gets the steal finishes on the other end with the pull-up jumper. That extends Dallas's lead to four. Two minutes left in the game now, Warriors down by one. Andrew Wiggins passes it to Curry, who throws up a rainbow three and gets it to fall. Of course he does, Warriors up by two. Little over a minute to play, Mavericks up by one. Doncic's gonna create space and knock down this turnaround jumper. They're up by three, he would finish this game with a cool 41 points. 14 seconds to go, Warriors down two. Curry brings the ball up, tries to pull up in three is called for traveling. Great defense by Maxi Kleber. Curry can't believe it. Take another look, looks like his pivot foot does, uh, does move. Trying to make that pump fake. Warriors turn it over. After a missed free throw, the Warriors are down three with four seconds left. Draymond Green throws it to an open clay. Thompson, he misses warriors lose 116 113 curry had 32 points Doncic had those 41 plus 12 rebounds and 12 assists did it all for dallas last night including his 20th career 40 point game and the team needed every bit of it in the 39 minutes luka was on the court the mavs outscored the warriors by 22 points but in the eight minutes he was on the bench they were outscored by 19. Not hard to uh, illustrate the impact a player like that has in a game like this. And, of course, we all know the impact NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski has uh, on what we do here at ESPN. Woj, good to see you. Thanks for getting up with us. Uh, look, great win for Dallas, who gets back to 500 at 10 and 10. How far can this team
0: go with Luka playing like this? Well, they need more from Luka than they've ever needed. And you see how much the ball is in his hands. They just don't have any other playmaking outside of him. And this is an organization, the loss of Jalen Brunson, the decision a year ago, and they could have kept him at four years, $55 million, decided not to pay him that, and then allowed him in free agency to leave for double that, over $100 million to New York. That's a decision that's going to haunt, I think, this Luka Doncic era, In Dallas, especially for an organization that through the years has overpaid a lot of guys who didn't produce uh, the way Jalen Brunson did. And right now, they just don't have any other playmaking. They just signed Kemba Walker at 32 years old. We'll see what he can give them. Uh, but this is a Dallas team and a roster that just needs more all the time from Luka Doncic. We'll see if they're able to add as the year
1: goes on. But in the meantime, asking an awful lot of their young star. Warriors are now 2-10 and
0: ten on the road this season. How concerned are they in Golden State? I think maybe a little less concerned after last night. Jonathan Kaminga, I think his best game of the season. I think Steve Kerr called it his best game as a Warrior. 14 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, played good, despite Luka Doncic's numbers, played played some pretty good defense on Doncic. The Warriors need to get this bench going, and he is a key component. Still only 20 years old. He was their seventh overall pick uh, a couple years ago. But I think for Golden State to start to get better bench play, that begins with Kaminga. That was a great step for him last night, and certainly they have Steph Curry playing at an MVP level right now. Defending champs with some work to do if they want to get back to uh, the
1: top. On Friday, our NBA doubleheader on ESPN and the app has LeBron and the Lakers in Milwaukee starting a six-game road trip against Giannis and the Bucks. at 7.30 Eastern with Stephen A's telecast on ESPN2. Then Steph and the Warriors host DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls. Our coverage tips off with NBA Countdown at 7 on ESPN and the app. We come back. You have one NFC playoff game to win. Are you going with youth or looking for the veteran? In one case, very veteran. Leadership. We will tell
7: you next on Get Up. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
6: If you know someone that's battling cancer, extend a message, extend the prayer. So many times I laid in a hospital and it was those messages that picked me up at the darkest moment. It gave me such a lift to say, you know what, I got to beat this, man. Don't give
7: up, man, don't give up.
1: 24th annual ACC Big 10 Challenge rolls on tonight with number 17 Duke hosting number 25 Ohio State in our first game at 7:15 Eastern. Then, number 18 North Carolina takes on number 10 Indiana. Both Sonic Blockbusters are on ESPN and the app. Tim Hasselbeck here and we asked him to put together a list, a oh, list of top true. Yes, I know you love it. You love the top 5 lists. This list is top 5 NFC quarterbacks you trust in the playoffs very specific right start right with now. number five right now
5: right now okay right now Where yeah distinction time matters yes geno smith i'm going with first and then like part of this for me is like an acknowledgement of how well geno smith has been playing and I, I think in some ways i don't know i think people maybe weren't paying attention right away to what he was doing they were playing well now all of a sudden like you look at it it's not like he's being protected out there like they are revolving yeah. games around him and I think Geno Smith has played well above a starter level, and I think with the NFC the way it is right now, he has to make this list. The guy I'm going to put on the list is Kirk Cousins. A lot of people like to hate on Kirk Cousins and say, you know, kind of what he can't do. I I think throughout his career, he's been unfairly, you know, judged in terms of the type of quarterback he is. He has a lot of production, and, uh, you know, he's done it with, you know, in two different organizations, he's done it with a bunch of different quarterbacks. Listen, in big games, has, has it always showed up? No, but I do think that he's good enough to get it done. That's why he's on the list. How about number three? Number three is Jalen Hurts. And look, I think you can easily make an argument. If you just look at how he's played this year, he's played so well that you'd have complete confidence say he'd win you a, a, a playoff game because he's been great in the passing game. He's made awesome decisions. He's run the football extremely well. He's as hard to defend, I think, as maybe any quarterback in football right now because of the balance and the different ways he can attack you. Dak Prescott, I have him just in front of Jalen Hurts, in large part just because I think the decision-making as a passer, Dak is just so good. Look, this is the number one offense in the NFL. Like, just with Dak as the quarterback, I just think that he's another guy. Maybe the amount of attention on him, he's viewed a certain way, but I think you can have complete confidence. And then, listen i I know we're talking about right now it's hard to get that recent comeback we (laughs) saw the other day where it's like hey get it into crunch time give this guy the football and have an opportunity to win a game he's the best of all time and something happens when it like gets into a critical moment where everything speeds up for everybody else and it slows down for him and, and so I don't know how you can have Brady not at number one if you're looking at NFC quarterback.
1: I used to say that when I covered baseball, I covered Derek Jeter. It's not that he raises his game in the postseason. It's that he stays the same oh. when everybody else starts yeah. to fall apart. Brady, a ton of experience. Let's bring the rest of the crew in here because I want to get some thoughts on this list. Hey, come tear down the list. Let's go. Let's well, go no, I don't want you Stand to down. tear down the Just list. Cover me up. <laughs> I want tear to ask tear you up. guys for your list of, of one. So if you have one NFC quarterback you could take to win a playoff game, who is it right now, I'm Jeremy? going
4: with number, Tim's number two right there, Dak Prescott. I will take oh, the surprise. pure pocket passer who also has good mobility. Still need to see a little bit more from Jalen Hurts. That playoff game last year haunts a little bit. Tom Brady, 45 years old. I think he's still showing it a little bit, even if the game does slow down. They're going to have to limp into the playoffs where Dak, look, this is his spite season going on right now. This is his moment. Everybody who's saying he's falling off, it's blasphemous. Jack's the
1: guy. We already got Tim's answer. You
6: see here he got, gave him Brady. Canty, who you got? Yeah, I'm taking Jimmy Garoppolo. No shade to the goat Tom Brady, but wow. good players can't overcome really? bad coaching. I don't see Jimmy it. Garoppolo has more playoff wins than I that know. Prescott, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Geno <laughs> Smith combined, mm-hmm. and they happened in his last two playoff <laughs> runs. More playoff tru- interceptions too. Well, you can say that, but he's yeah, got he 16 touchdowns to four interceptions this year. He's top 10 in completion percentage, but most importantly, he's got Kyle Shanahan as a play caller, and he's got the number one defense in yards points, supporting him, and the most important reason, I picked the San Francisco 49ers to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So, so there's no trying. reason to come off of that pick now. Jimmy Garoppolo, go out there and win a playoff game. Did you pick him when it was Trey Lance? I picked Why him when got it You gotta let Facts get the away. I'm just him. asking questions. My job is to ask questions. Come on, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you he's say, like, I picked him. When did you uh, pick, pick him? Like That's a legitimate
1: question. I, I don't Ouch. need him mad at me. You see how big he is. I went with Brady because I mean, it's Brady. Like I mean, how many how many playoff games has he won? These guys have zero experience compared uh, to what he's shown. How, he, how, how many, how many playoff side. games has Tom like Too small. I'm I'm just <laughs> just, <laughs> how, how many playoff games has Tom The Question Tom is, if you could take <laughs> one quarterback, not one team, <laughs> one quarterback, and we got a guy here who's won seventy-five yeah, bajillion everything
6: that along with playoff games. Right?
1: You do, uh, unfortunately, for Tom. Hey, sneaky big game this. Weekend in San Francisco between a couple of teams that Tom Brady has at various times in his life wanted to play for. That is the Miami Dolphins uh, and the San Francisco uh, 49ers. So, uh, who you guys got in this game? We got the uh, 49ers coming in on a four game win streak, Dolphins on a five game win streak. Mike McDaniel versus Kyle Shanahan. Who, who are you taking in this game?
5: I like Miami. I like a lot yeah. about Miami. I like, listen, I like their physical run game. I, I like the way the quarterback is playing. I, I just. Partly, too, because I wanted to go back to Trey Lance being the quarterback when Chris took took the Niners. (laughs) I I think it's a really good team. I think whichever team defends the run better, which – you know, there's a very good chance that in San Francisco. Probably has the advantage to win the game. I'm going to go Miami. You're taking the Niners, I assume?
6: Of course I am. Because the Miami Dolphins, has got, the listen, the Dolphins got fat in the soft part of their schedule. They ain't playing against the Bears' defense or the Lions' defense or the Texans' defense on Sunday. They're playing against the best defense in the NFL. A defense that hadn't allowed a point in 94 minutes of gameplay. A defense that hadn't allowed a second-half point Going back to week seven against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, good luck with that. I know Tua didn't play in the fourth quarter against the Texans. He's going to have to play in the fourth quarter in this game. Which for, one,
4: for one week, I like Miami. Long-term Super Bowl yeah. aspirations. I like the 49ers a little better. But this feels like the Dolphins' time. The worst case right now, they're going to score 20, 25 points and be able to control the game.
6: Right, well, yeah. so this, I will say this. We're going to learn, gonna learn about the Dolphins in the next three weeks. Yes, we are. Yep. We're going to learn about them.
1: That is an interesting question. Who do you, Which of these two quarterbacks do you trust more to get his team to the Super Bowl?
5: Um, I'm going to say two all right. Now, the, the, the path in the AFC, I'm just saying, if I'm evaluating quarterback play, if I'm looking at just quarterback play, I would say Tua. Now, the path is wildly harder, right. you know, coming out of the AFC. Right, right.
1: Canty would say uh, Trey Lance, but that's a different story <laughs> for another day. Coming up, when we're done here uh, on First Take, Luka Doncic outdueled Steph Curry last night, so they'll discuss which superstar has been more impressive this season. You can see Stephen A. Smith, Christopher Mad Dog Russo breaking that down and much more. First Take Follows get up at the top of the hour.
8: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Go to shopify.com network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com i network.
1: Right, back on Get Up before we get you out of here today, one more look at this college football playoff top 10. You see the top four teams get in. This is not final. It'll depend uh, to some extent on results of this weekend's games. But as it stands right now, a playoff with no Ohio State, no Alabama, no, Clemson, this is extremely unusual. As uh, Heather Dinich has explained to us several times already uh, today, is it a good thing for college football?
3: Well, it depends on what color uniform you're taking <laughs> for, quite frankly. And I love your outfit you got going on, but did anybody tell you that Clemson and Tennessee are not in this thing?
8: Uh, <laughs> it's horizon, you're right. Virginia but you got, right you got it, all yeah. you got it not going on. You got it going on.
3: No, but I mean, The thing to me that stands out about this is what Lincoln Riley's done with the transfer portal. And he has 26 players that he brought in, and like that, they're in the contention for possibly winning a national title. they got to beat Utah. But, I mean, that's where we are, and that changes the game. Stanford's got to hire a new head coach. Where Stanford used to be really, but good.
5: they're not going to be able to work the transfer portal all exactly.
3: the way. So, exactly,
6: exactly. So uh, totally you got to get, kids. You get kids into school,
3: right? Right. And to, to see that that gap is only going to grow wider with schools like USC who can continue to do that, in Ohio State and Alabama and programs that can't. Yeah.
1: So is the eventual playoff expansion the answer? Like, is that? Well, make I just think it's funny in level? the
5: conversation of the expansion. The whole idea of expanding for the originally was well hey, like you, how does Cincinnati ever get in if you don't expand? How, how do some of these teams that aren't Alabama and Ohio State, like, how, how do those teams get in yeah. if you don't expand? And now here we are where you know some of those teams are looking like they're going to be on the right. outside looking in and be like, hey, how can we have a playoff and not have, right. have these teams in? Mm-hmm. I think really what is probably best for college football is if you have a scenario when you expand, if 10 can actually win it all, if number 12 can actually win it all. Because the past few years, 10, 11, 12 had no shot to win it all. You could make the argument now that teams ranked 10, 11, 12 could potentially Win it all. Yeah, so it feel more
6: like the basketball setup, right? Where they have, and now you wouldn't expand to 64, but how big should they make it? Well, I think somewhere around 10 to 12 is the right number. But what I find fascinating about this college football playoff is that you're talking about Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, and Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama, being on the outside looking in, and two first-year head coaches in Sonny Dykes and Lincoln Riley at SC being in the top four. At this point, if you're an athletic director, how patient are you going to be with the coach being able to turn around your program? And then, oh, by the way, if you're the AD at Ohio State and at Alabama, how patient are you going to be with your incumbent head coaches? Because it feels like the world of college football is shifting right now. At Ohio State and Alabama, it's not just them and the rest of the field. And so that's the part that I think the transfer portal in NIL has kind of balanced out the college football landscape and created a whole lot more parity. See, Tim, you're talking about 10 to 12 teams maybe
4: having a chance to win a title some years. I don't know that we have four teams that are capable right. this year. It feels <laughs> like we're sort of limping into a top four, which if you expand that, how good is that even going to be?
5: Like Alabama at six, like could they win it at all? Like I, I asked Heather beforehand, like, Yep. Florida, like, look at Florida State. Florida State is for uh, for real football team yep. right now. They're, they're even on yep. the they're a thirteen. But I'm just saying, like, the, some of these teams in previous years, yep. like we could look at it and we it was very easy to predict the, predict the championship game off of off of four teams. I think this year, because of injury and other reasons, like there's a you know there's a chance that teams down the line, not in the original top four, that they could end up winning.
4: I just want to see teams outside of the SEC come in hot and make that one-four game more competitive. I feel like we get too many blowouts.
1: Right, there were a couple blowouts last year. Who ends up winning this thing?
3: Oh, Georgia. They got Georgia. the best team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just you were
1: about to say something more <laughs> You got ten seconds.
3: <laughs> 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 it's all going to change because you're going to have 16-team SEC and Big Ten.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. All Exciting right. stuff. Thanks for tuning in.